Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And unfortunately for you, you're listening to the Church Planner Podcast, where right before this particular episode, we were discussing all things Batman, of course. We were, yeah. And Pete was Pete was saying, um, I think the Adam West Batman film was the best. <laughs> Pete, I'm going to let you elaborate on that a bit. That's... <laughs> I just remembered the very end. Robin, I, I think we should leave through the window. <laughs> Do you remember that? They like leave through the window and uh, rappel down the side of the building. Like, yes, that, that how was did how they do that. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so real. See, what brought this up, everybody, is Peyton. I I was like in my head, I was playing uh, six degrees of separation and I was trying to like get everything back to the subject of uh, Batman. <laughs> so in my head, I was like. Oh, this will actually be really easy on this podcast because we can go, oh, that's Christian, like Christian Bale, like Batman, (laughs) like in my head. That's where the conversation was going. That's why I said that. And then you're like, I actually didn't like those movies. And that's when I was like, you know, this is why I know you and I have a lot less in common than we think we do. Yeah, well, then I said, well, actually, I, I thought the, you know, they weren't bad, but, you know, they weren't great. And then, I, I mean, they still did date have not made a, a killer Batman movie. They just haven't. Oh, my gosh. You know they what? Have. This is why I don't trust your movie opinion at all. And now I even understand better why you said, oh. The prequels in Star Wars really did happen. I think they're <laughs> wonderful. 
hey man, there were some great things about the prequels. There was I mean, nothing great about the prequels. Dude, how can you say Ewan McGregor was not a rad Obi-Wan, young Obi-Wan? He was great. You know Everything what? about him was Obi-Wan Kenobi. And just that alone was worth the price of admission to see Ewan McGregor pulling off a young Obi-Wan. He killed that. That's all I'm saying. You've turned He's to the bad. Darth side. You Sith you. You evil, evil Sith. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, what you're saying to me pete is i need to go back to the dagobah system to complete my jedi training oh my gosh i don't even know what to say to you i i, I don't even know why we're friends i really don't sometimes i sit there and i just wonder what why do i even talk to this guy why do we even do this the things guy that is we a do? loser <laughs> welcome to the church planner podcast everybody. we're uh Pete and I uh, talk some very deep and important things. Theology. Um, Theology of Star Wars and Batman, apparently. Yeah, so today's topic is actually uh, everything I needed to know about church planning I got from Star Wars. And that is actually our topic because there are some deep, deep places we can go there. <laughs> it's just... I only announce this topic to Pete. You know, interestingly enough, um, did you know... That 98% of people say that they would attend church if they were invited by a friend. <laughs> it's only the second week and I'm already laughing. <laughs> I know. You know what's so funny? Is last week uh, I get an email from our contact and they're like, hey, uh, let us know when our ad's going to air on the podcast. I'm like, I uh, did this morning. <laughs> so we're already, we're already butchering their ad. That's all I'm saying. Yes. So, no, Pete, I did not know that. <laughs> and yet only 2% of churchgoers say they're actively inviting? Were you aware of that? You have to be aware of that statistic. Well, I, 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 did, I did record last week's podcast with you, so I was aware of that. <laughs> and then I, I went back to listen. And, because and I'm a pastor, and uh, I know no one invites <laughs> their friends. <laughs> I can tell well, every Sunday morning when I look out over the crowd. I actually listened to the podcast to to see was it as bad as we actually thought it was. <laughs> that you know, was my motive for listening. Was it? Because I couldn't go back and re-listen to it. Uh, it. It actually wasn't as bad as we thought. Okay. It was. Yeah. Well, see, uh, this me, comes maybe back. Maybe I have low standards. Like, well, this comes back to how you and I are completely different. So I might still find it. No, we felt the same. I, we looked at each other and said, "Yeah, almost the worst ever." Well, you know, incidentally, uh, Reach was created to change that stat of ninety-eight uh, percent of people say they would go if a friend invited them, but yet only two percent of people are actually inviting. And incidentally enough, I did actually go back and clean up our uh, our, our ad last week. <laughs> I cut out. Uh, oh, I don't know if you listened to it, but I cut out some of those parts that I had tried to ad lib and just butchered. Butchered. No, the ad. no, I didn't listen. But yeah, uh, so when probably... they listen again this week, this is actually an improved ad. I know, I know, Brittany, you're listening right now, and you're going. Um, I thought we were doing a reach commercial and we're like two minutes later. <laughs> we still don't have the punchline. It gets better. You have to trust us. It gets better with time. We, we sent up like hundreds <laughs> of pastors to Mo Give. So I'm telling you, our, our, our commercials are worth something. What happened? Where are you going? 
Yeah, my, my train came by and it was really loud. So, yes, what Pete said <laughs> is 100% true. All right. Well, anyway, incidentally, Peyton, Reach was cha- was started to change that stat to give people a better way to invite. Reach equips congregations to invite friends in a powerful and scalable way. For every check-in on Facebook or a tag on Instagram, a donation is made to a kingdom-building cause. More people hear about church from their friends, and more good is done around the world. It's that simple. Reach is offering a special promotion for Church Planner Podcast listeners. That's you guys. To get your first month free. To get started, just visit. Visit. I see this. The website always throws me off. Causely. I, I got to like. It's just, just a word I've never seen before. Well, I don't think it existed before they came up with the domain. Causely. Causely. Yeah. So well, you, you remember it. I mean, you well now when I gotta I gotta it. like read it like five times. Cosley.com forward slash reach. Sign in. Use the promo code podcast. You guys can get a month free. Of yes. Reach. So enough of this. Hey, uh, 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 my congregation's not inviting their friends. We just gave you a tool and a month free. There you go. Absolutely. Don't say we never gave anything to you. And guys, actually, this is um, one of the biggest deals. Use technology to connect with people. I mean, there's no replacement for organic connection, but this comes first. This is the first thing that people, it's the front line of your communication. Well, it's kind of like, uh, I remember in one of uh, Michael Chessire's book, he made the point that, uh, the first time someone visits your church is not when they show up on a Sunday. They've already visited the website. They've probably already listened yep. to part of a sermon on yep. a website to see if this is the kind of church they want to attend. And yep. you are kidding yourselves if you don't think people are checking you out on social media. Like you were literally no way. kidding There's yourselves. There's no way someone's going to walk into your church without checking you out. When was the, the last time you that. saw a flip phone? Go yeah. on. I'll wait. <laughs> It's like, um, well, I, my mom was still using a flip phone. <laughs> well, and did your mom already have a church? Uh, yeah, she did. There you go. So she was she already was high church. Before. She was going to a, an Episcopalian church. Was she really? She was. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, uh, did she that, wear that a robe too? She was she Methodist should've? before that. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She'd been all over. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, hey. Mom got around spiritually. <laughs> So, I don't even know how to take that. I can't even. Your facial expression after just saying that was like, I just said a funny. I'm just going to drop it right there. Book. So, uh, uh, tell everyone again what today's topic is. Yeah. So, um, today's topic is everything I needed to know about church planning I got from Star Wars. I I'm still in shock that we're doing that as a topic, but cool. Why I'll, we've done a whole well a couple of times we've done a whole Star Wars episode. Yeah, well we we did. You know what? Um, when I was listening to some of our older episodes, I went back and listened to number fifty. Remember how excited we were when we got to number fifty? Oh yeah. And there was like no church planning information on that episode. It was all podcast, all smack talk. Isn't it about being fifty? Yeah, that's what we called it. The episode about being number 50 or something like that. Yeah. But that was the one where I brought up uh, the principality of Sealand. That was the episode. Oh, th- that was a great episode. That was the one. So if you guys haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to episode 50. 
And and it, just so you know, like we've done smack talk since the beginning. I mean, this is just what we do. So if you're listening, going, hey, I'm new here. Um, you know, this is like your little spot on that map. I'm new here. Um, here's where you are. You're in smack talk right now. We're getting ready to go into the actual topic. We do this every week and we explain it every week because we have new people all the time coming in and we know you guys are like, what in the heck is this? This says the church planner podcast (laughs) and this doesn't sound like church planning. So if that's the case, you're probably not a church planner. So, uh, hey, tell me, what, what's been going on in your life this last week? Because we need to do our smack talk before we get into the, the meat and potatoes. You know, I, I have nothing. Um, you, you don't want to open that can of worms with me. <laughs> really? That good, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not been a bad week. but That's um, one of those private calls that we can't air? <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that uh, I, I'm still a little bit numb from the uh, the emotional fallout of my mom dying. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that said, it's uh, it's been different, man. Well, I can say this, man. I am really excited about, uh, shameless plug, uh, the Bivo Inner Circle. Because um, we actually just uh, today are mailing out to everyone uh, the July newsletter. People got to understand, this newsletter, this month's newsletter, I think it's like 36 pages long. So, I mean, it's not like a little four-page job. There's mm. there's a lot of incredible insight. And I will say this. My favorite headline for an article ever was written by you for this newsletter. And oh, it really? is Yeah, best headline I've ever read in my life. What was it? Don't ask for prayer when what you really want is money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's the greatest headline ever. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Don't ask for prayer when what you really want is money. It yeah, was, ask yeah. for prayer when you want prayer. Ask for money. And and ask unashamedly when you want money. That's okay. It's okay to ask for money. But don't masquerade as I'm real I'm really asking for money, but hey, I need your prayer. And then, you know, kind of tag the little ditty in in in, in the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's not so, all. People see right through that anyway. So, so anyway, the newsletter, the newsletter is awesome. The newsletter is awesome. So what I do it was is good. I do a whole portion. By the way, I stuck yours in the mail, so you're going to get yours in a couple of days too. Uh, I get it. I actually get it. I figured you should probably should because I know you're never going to read what I write unless I actually. You know, you know what's funny is I, it, it, no, I'll totally. I always read your stuff, but here's but not the thing, unless I send it to you. How else would you get it? I have my ways. <laughs> Look in your contacts for a man named Nathan Bartholomew. That's me. Mm. Just joking. I was actually looking for a Jesse Pinkman, and I, I I found your address. I so want you to tell that story. No, 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 I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't talk about that. No, I can't. I really, I genuinely it, can't. It's, it's a don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that they. Anyway, I, I can't. I can't <laughs> yeah, go we'll any further stop. on that story. <laughs> But anyway, uh, it's a great newsletter because here's what we do, guys. And and Peyton actually wrote a great little uh, piece that I'm gonna I'm gonna start running some Facebook ads with it. And what he was talking about um, is some of the stuff that Paul has done or did, I should say, uh, as he was raising up and, and training up his church planners. So it wasn't just all about ministry, but he also was teaching them a vocation. In his case, making tents. Um, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about that? I'll, I'll segue it over into what we're doing. 
Yeah, you know, one one of the cool things is that the Apostle Paul, you know, the Bible inner circle is really the most first century thing um, for training church planners, I think, is out there. And it's funny because we talk about the hate mail that Pete gets. Like, people will be like, oh, man, you know, why are you um, scamming me or trying to, you know, train me how to make money? I'm a minister. And we've talked about that before. But the reality is, what if— what if you look at the Apostle Paul and you realize that Paul wasn't waiting for people to throw, you know, wadded up dollar bills at his church planners? What he was actually doing was empowering those church planners to be able to go anywhere at any time and do anything. So, in other words, when when he rolled out uh, his tent making uh, stall booth, whatever his business in the marketplace to infiltrate a community to plant the seeds of the gospel to actually lead to planning a church. What he actually did was he brought his team with him. And remember, he had like 30 something people. I think it was 39, 32, um, it was 32 people that actually uh, interacted with him and, you know, moved all around Asia Minor, Macedonia, um, you know, the Mediterranean Sea. And they had skills to pay the bills. And what Paul did is he trained them not only how to plant churches, but he had to train them to make a living when he shot them out all over the map. And so Paul was the first guy to do the Bible where he trained them in a skill, tent making. And I've got other examples of this. There's another book called Stacking the Deck where the guy trained guys to roast coffee. Yeah. Um, and then he sent them out with coffee roasting businesses and one of the guys that when when I found a new breed and, and came to America with it, one of the first guys in had been trained by that guy because that guy was kind of whispered about like a legend in church planning circles. And, the, and, and one of my guys, he goes, oh, yeah, that guy trained me. And it was so cool to like meet a guy and, and to see how versatile missional this guy was. But Paul didn't want his guys. They were going to have enough hardship. Um they were going to go to prison. They were going to be hungry. They were going to be naked at times because of persecution. But he wanted them to have the freedom to be able to go anywhere and sustain themselves. So that, like Paul said, I worked with my own hands so I wouldn't be a burden to the churches I was planting. Well, you know, and that's here, what we're doing. We're doing both. Yeah. So if you guys haven't heard before, the Bible Inner Circle, what we do is Peyton handles all the ministry training. Basically, any question you got, not just about church planning, but ministry evangelism, uh, dealing with uh, staff in your church. I mean, literally, if it has to do with the ministry side, that's what Peyton handles. And when it has to do with how do I create an income stream, that's what I do. I teach people basically how to become uh, a consultant, either a social media consultant or a full-blown uh, consultant, which is uh, what I do. Uh, also, we teach them how to create online training programs. Uh, we just had a bunch of guys fly in last month. And uh, we sat him down and, and showed him, here's everything. Literally, here's the blueprint. Now take this and go do it yourself. In fact, I got a, a Vox this morning from one of the guys. And he's like, hey, look over my stuff because, you know, I'm launching right now and I need this thing to work. And, and that's what we do. So it really is, you know, helping both sides of the equation. And interestingly enough, man, I got to share this because I was thinking about this last night. So we had, um, we had one guy who was in for like a month. And uh, then he sent me an email. Hey, Pete, you know what? My church has decided they want to keep me on full time, so I, I don't need to know the the Bible stuff. 
And I'm like, hey, that's cool. You know, it's, there's no like contract or anything. You don't have to like stay in. So I'm like, dude, you're out. No problem. But here's the thing. And I was thinking about this. I go, but the problem is what's going to happen after this church? Mm. What's going to happen when this church changes its mind or yeah. you get called somewhere else? Yeah. The problem is you like, and I was thinking about this. If you don't have a marketable skill set, and I don't mean uh, just any old skill set, like a skill set where you have to be employed by someone else, because that means then you got to search for a job. They have to be able to hire you, uh, afford you, hire you, that kind of a thing. And I'm not saying someone has to learn to do what I do. I mean, I think there's plenty of guys who can be web designers and I don't train on any of that stuff, um, you know, things like that that you could do. But that's a skill set that. Really, I, I say there's kind of like there's kind of like three main things. I'd say if you know how to do one of these three or all of these three, then you can write your ticket in life. Meaning you can Absolutely. always make money. One is if you know how to market, if you know how to mar- basically turn advertising into money. Unlike everyone else who uh, basically runs advertising and and doesn't get any results, has no idea what it's going to do for them. Blah blah blah. I mean, like if you really know how to market, which is what I do. The second thing is if you know how to sell, like I know that's an evil term in the church circles. Oh, people sell stuff. Look, if you know how to sell, you can literally go get a job anywhere because selling isn't contingent on you having a degree. It isn't contingent on anything. It's your ability to help people make a decision that's in their best interest. And if you have that ability, you can always go get a job somewhere because there's someone who needs something to be sold. And the third is, if you know how to create what I refer to as joint venture partnerships, where basically someone's got an asset and someone else has a different asset and you join the two together. So um, I do this a lot. I know how to market. That's a that's an asset to me. I've got clients who have client lists, but they don't know how to market to them. So I come in there and I, I glue the two together. I'm like, hey, let me take this marketing over here. Let me take your list over there and I'm going to create money out of this. Uh, but those are skill sets that if you've got any one of those, and if you've got multiples of them, even better. But if you've got any one of them, you don't have to worry about what am I going to do if I get fired. And the reason why I bring this up, Peyton, is I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking specifically about this one guy who was like, oh, you know, the church decided to keep me on full time. I'm like, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm excited for you. And and let's face it, what, what I do, like when we teach the social media stuff, that's not right for everybody. I, I'm totally cool with that. It may not be right for someone. Or the full-blown consultancy, which is even like way more work, but way more profitable, uh, more work as far as learning is concerned. Um, I get it. It may not be for everyone. I was thinking about this, though, in terms of my dad. So for those of you who are first-time listeners to the podcast, my dad was a pastor. And uh, I grew up pastor's kid. Dad was a pastor until I was in high school. When I was in high school, the church, um, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area, had really you know, atrophied and started to die off. And, um, and, and basically I didn't know this at the time because my parents never talked about money, but the church hadn't been able to pay my dad for like three months. And we had a medical emergency in the family. And my dad was like, I have to go do something else. I have to go do something else because I've got to bring in money. I have to take care of my family. That's my first priority. And, um, Long story short, my dad ends up becoming a teacher. Now, a lot of pastors, especially back in that day, a lot of pastors would have seen that as, um, you know, you've 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 given up on your calling, right? 
Uh, God called you to be a pastor. Pastors are full time. That's the deal. But here's the deal, man. My dad didn't quit ministry. He just wasn't a full time pastor anymore. And he has always done ministry. He ended up uh, eventually um, retiring from the the school district mm. where he's at, um, you know, and gets pension or I don't even know what school people get, whatever they got, right? But he never quit. Like he would he he was known in the area. If you had to be out on vacation and you were a pastor and need someone to fill in for you, you could call him and he'd fill in for you. And so he was constantly filling in for. Uh, Baptist churches, Calvary Chapel churches. I don't even know what some of the churches were because he didn't care, right? He was like, right. look, this is what God's called me to be is to, to be a minister and I'm not full time. Right. And he never went back to full time ministry. But here's the punchline, guys. I was talking with a pastor, a mega church pastor that you and I both know, Peyton. This is a few years back. And um, and somehow we got on the subject. And I'm like, yeah, you know, my dad, uh, he he's uh, was a pastor all my life and and, uh, you know, he just retired from the school district and, you know, now he's still doing ministry and and now he's just got more time to, to do ministry because he's got, you know, pension coming in. And the, the pastor goes, wow, you know, at that age, that's about the time I'd start to think about retiring. And my comment was, I go, well, and I just was repeating what my dad had said. My dad goes, you know, my goal is to go out in a blaze of glory. Like his goal isn't to retire from ministry. That's what he's been called to do. He's yeah. going to do that till his dying breath. But here's the, here's my point. I know I just went on a tirade, which is usually you what really you did, do. I know. But that's okay. <laughs> no, hey, it's more church me. planning talk earlier on in our podcast and normal. So that's good. <laughs> well, it's good stuff though. But here's the thing, man. It is. He, he said, I'm thinking, you know, at that age, I'm going to be retiring. Isn't that what we see for jobs? Right. Yeah. Even if it's full time ministry, at one point, I'm finally going to get away from all of this. I don't have to listen to people bicker and complain. I get to one day retire. It's like this this light at the end of the tunnel. It's the end <laughs> of the rainbow that we're going for. That's what yes. we've turned full time ministry into. Not that that's wrong to be in full time ministry, but I do think there's a problem when we long for the day to retire because it's no longer ministry to us. It's a job, right? That's my point. That was my whole point in that whole tirade is. No, but you, you bring up a really good point because there's what you're made for and what you're paid for. And, you know, they're not always the same thing. So when people think, oh, I'm going to go retire, they're wanting to do like that thing that was their passion all their life. And and here's here's the deal is Paul worked in the marketplace and he didn't work full time. I don't believe. I think that he had done what we've talked about on this podcast so many times. He maximizes income for the minimal amount of time to free him up to do ministry. Right. Now your dad wasn't able to do that, right? He wasn't you know, entrepreneurial. Interesting, interestingly enough, my dad is a way better salesman than I am. Like, cause interesting. He's, he's an extrovert and I'm not. No he, way. He, um, at one point was, uh, this is why I just said long story short, but now I'm going to make it longer. He at one point uh, got a job at a mortuary and his job was to sell insurance to the people. And he was really good at it. Right. And the guy wouldn't hire him because he was a pastor. And so the guy was like just prejudiced against religious people in general, but especially because my dad was a pastor. He was like, I don't want to hire you. And so that's what caused wow. him to look at something else. And he finally got into school, but uh, in, in the school district, but he was really good at sales. And I would say he's probably far better at it because for me, I have to force myself 
to talk to people because I'm such an introvert. Right. And for him, it's just natural. It's who he is. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's really cool, man. Well, you know, the the whole thing with the Bible inner circle though is that we're we're really trying to maximize the income. We don't want to see guys poor. And I know a lot of the deal was you watch your dad um scraping by and working hard to provide for you guys. But you know, really in a way, um I think that that what we're talking about is guys being able to not always be behind the eight ball. Like for example, I spoke to a, a really a guy that many of our listeners might know. He's a, a church planning trainer. He's an author. And he was just talking to me at why he became a consultant. And he was saying, because every month at the end of that month, we were 10 to 20% behind our bills. Mm. And it just led to more debt. And like, for example, North American Mission Board, if if you're in significant amount amounts of debt, they won't let you be a church planner. Because they know what's ahead of you is you're going to be spinning multiple plates. But if you could walk in and say, look, I'm not dependent on the generosity of others. I'm not playing the cosmic crapshoot. I'm taking this into my own hands like Paul did. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to work, but I'm going to work strategically and I'm going to work wisely. I'm not getting money for dollars. I'm, I mean, uh, uh, dollars for, for hours. Right. I'm literally going to, which is one of the things you teach in this. Dollars one of the first things you teach people is like yeah. this, this mind shift. Um, you've got to rethink your income, which maximizes you for ministry. That's what Paul did. I mean, a lot of the, I'm, I'm listening to it. I remember at one point calling you and saying, Pete, everything you're saying is what Paul did. <laughs> It kind of was like a revelation because I I didn't know all the marketing stuff and the the business consultancy stuff. And so for me, that was a a real big takeaway because for me, I'm always tracing things back to the first century. And um, but but again, this planner, he goes, he goes after 10 years of trying to climb out of debt and just getting further in. He goes, I've been doing this for about six months. He goes, we're debt free. Wow. You know, and 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 that. That is a a huge um, deal for me, like seeing church planners, just that freedom now. He's now free to go speak here and go do this. And he's free. He's not worried. And he goes so much of the spiritual warfare um, that the enemy used to use that with and and, and attack my family and attack my marriage. He goes, that's that's. It's not even a, an arrow in his quiver anymore. Mm. You know, it, it's it's literally free to. He goes, I feel like I was talking to him and he sounded so good. You ever talk to people and they sound so good and you just sell that guy's in a sweet spot right now because he's doing what he's made. I, I imagine that's what it's like when you talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's funny. That's what's funny is for you. It's doing this. It's helping these church planners. Yeah. Because when we first talked, you know, you were like, hey, man, I make lots of money and I'm really good at it. But this in ministry. And I think for you, being able to take the skill set and empower and train others. I I remember going through, uh, for lack of a better term, a midlife crisis. And I was going up to this event in Los Angeles with a buddy of mine. And uh, we drove back. It was late at night. And we stopped off at a Denny's. And... We were talking, and and he goes, oh, you're going through a midlife crisis. And I go, I know, but I think I finally found what I'm supposed to do. And he's like, what's that? I go, it's all this church planner stuff that I'm I'm starting to do. At the time, we were just starting the magazine, the podcast. 
And it was like for the first time in my life, I felt like I had uh, direction. So, you know. Yeah, it's cool. Well, hey, man, how do um, now that we've talked, this was unplanned. I think we're just excited because we're we're constantly working on this stuff. And I for like I said, for me, I'm just cluing into how first century it is. And and I'm super excited for these church planners because, you know, Bivo church planning is the future. If you're not aware of that, that is the future. Um, it's the future in Europe. It's going to be the future here. Um, the large sustainable, you know, uh, churches that are, that are, you know, you know, hiring those guys will always be around, but they will be far fewer in number in future. They do exist in, in Europe, but we have far few, fewer number of them and, and percentage of them. So it is a way of prepping for the future. And, you know, Proverbs says that the wise man sees danger and hides himself. In other words, he preps for it. Um, he knows what's coming down the pipe. And wisdom is that ability to look ahead. And and not only that, it's not just about your security. It's also about your effectiveness. It's also about your reach. Like I said, here here's the number one thing for me. I'm a serial church planner, and I, I basically, I can't move on. I, I devised a system for me to be able to, to leave a church like a trapeze artist, right? Where I'm holding on to one rung, but I'm grabbing for the other one at the same time. But so so that is one thing. But again, that was only supplemented income. The reality is um, for me and I've, I've talked to so many guys who are in churches they hate or churches they, they feel they're not supposed to be in anymore, but they don't know where to go next. Mm. And so literally their calling is ahead of their finances. And they're like, well, I'm kind of stuck here because and and nobody really it's so normal that nobody talks about it. Nobody, we, you know, you get mad when you get an email from Pete. Oh, you're just trying to make money off me. <laughs> um, but nobody looks at the church as it is and goes, why are we going so slow? Obviously, it's tied to money and our income, because I tell you what, in China and these other countries where they're not, you know, they don't have as high of a lifestyle. They live in poverty and they accept poverty. The church is going like gangbusters, man, because they haven't tied it to their finances. So here's the deal. If you can divorce ministry from your finances, not saying you can't supplement from churches you plant. You should always take some kind of income from a church you plant. That's biblical and it's wise. But we live in a time right now where like Europe and other parts of the world, it's you have to be wise. And so for me, it's more about the freedom it's more about my mobility. It's more about my versatility. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, to that, all I have to say is I made my money the old fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I love having our sound effects. Back oh, now. my gosh, dude. That was uh, sent to me by Travis. He goes, hey, in honor of your new soundboard, here's your favorite clip. Because he actually sent that to me. It's from a show called Parks and Rec. And I, I never watched it. And and I was, like, dying when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> You just can't help but laugh when you hear that. You know what's funny? Oh. Because uh, there are some uh, sound bites we have that are, I think they're funny because you think they're funny. And I get a kick out of you playing them. Like, 
like Mamma Mia. That's a, <laughs> you know, first time I didn't think it was funny, but when you're laughing so hard, it became funny. And now it's one of the funniest sound bites I think we have uh, because it's like an old friend, but that one's actually funny. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, it's just, it's hilarious, isn't it? Well, anyway, guys, if you want to know about Bivo Inner Circle, head on over to BivoInnerCircle.com and uh, check out the uh, videos that we got there. And, and tell uh, them Peyton and Pete sent you. <laughs> Because that was that felt like a giant commercial, guys. We did not mean to barf a commercial all over you, but no. My my biggest advice, the takeaway that I want people to take from that is this: I don't care if it's if it's our program or something else. You need to have a marketable skill set outside of ministry, and I would encourage it to be in one of those big three. If you can figure out how to put joint ventures together, another term for that is even being a broker, right? Because that's basically what a broker is. A broker takes a product. And a person who wants to buy it and puts them together, right? Um, yeah. If you can do that, if you can learn how to sell or know how to sell, or if you can know how to market. And I'm, when I say market, I mean if you know how to bring in buyers off of cold advertising. If you have one of those skill sets, you can write your ticket literally anywhere in the world. Mm. Yeah. Because all so three true. of those are need anywhere in the world. People need those three. So, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> All right, man. I can't tell you how good it is to have our our Delio back. I did. I did find some uh, some great classic sound effects like this one, which will be a, a a good one for you. Where's your rope? It was stinky, but these are my recreation clothes. <laughs> is that from me? Is that from they the ones expensive. I sing? Thank you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> they they look expensive. Thank you. <laughs> My my favorite comedy ever. I, I ever. thought it was a horrible movie, but the, you and Charlie like loved that stupid thing. Oh my gosh, dude! I okay, so uh, wait, wait, not here, too libre. Here, here huh? we go, Chancho. When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. It's for fun. <laughs> <laughs> We have to get into the topic, man. We can't do smack talk. See, everyone doesn't understand. We had to split up the podcast again. And so we're ready to do another half hour of smack talk. I know. We should just do one and save it for a rainy day (laughs) when we can't do smack talk. You know, just pull that smack talk out. Hey, hey, hey. May it never be we can't do smack talk. May it never be. Hey, hey, take it easy. Hey, um... Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, that movie is just, it's comedic gold. Like, literally, the opening song had me. I'm laughing out loud in the theater with the opening song. And I'm like, this movie's rad already. It Anyways, has me. And uh, it's just, it's love affair. I was affair, wondering man. if you would like to join me in my quarters this night for some toast. <laughs> <laughs> that is a line a church planner would use to, to pick up his future bride. Ruben, there hey, you go. Hey, that's a Bible study pickup line, man. You know, people should get it. Or, or you know, one of my favorites from that movie is, I, I, I am on deck guy duty. I am on cleaning duty, kitchen duty. I need a better duty. It's great. Come on. It's good stuff. He said duty. You know, I was in the car yesterday, and Liberty goes, she's she's listening to some movie or film, and she's in the back seat, and she goes, ha, 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 Dad, they said duty. <laughs> <laughs> These are the moments you live for as a parent. Yes, I have raised you well. Well, we're going to actually get into our topic now, guys. And of course, uh, because we did talk the first half about Bivo Winter Circle, we do have this comment from a platinum Bivo Winter Circle member, Dan Sams. 
Pete Mitchell loves you and has a plan for your bank account. Just saying. Yeah. Hey, who can argue with Dan Sams? He's a church planner. There you go. He's not a good one, but he's a church planner. (laughs) (laughs) And this is after Dan Sams said this. I read Peyton Jones more than I read Francis Chan. Come on. He actually added to that, and I think we had to take that part out, didn't we? No, it's right here. Recently, I stopped memorizing scripture and started memorizing passages of Church Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I take back everything I said about Dan Zams. Blasphemous he may be, but a wonderful church planner he is. I used to have more friends before I got into church planting. (laughs) (laughs) Just remember when you join the Bible Inner Circle, everything you say can and probably will be used against you. (laughs) Probably will be used on the podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, hey, getting into... Um, today's topic, which is everything I needed to know about church planning. I learned from Star Wars, and I actually did something very special for this one. I actually sent Pete notes ahead of time because I figured this you, is Here's the be- thing. You sent me the notes while we were doing Smack Talk like I'm supposed to read what is otherwise a, a dossier on what we're going to talk about. Hey, bullet points, it was, buddy. It bullet was a points. new idea. The muse took me suddenly, and I, I went with it, Pete. Yeah, I was clearly, clearly what I was sharing when I was pouring out my heart in Smack Talk, <laughs> you were so uninterested, you wrote a dossier. Actually, actually, I think that's the time I listened to you the most <laughs> when you were talking. I was actually glued to you. This time. I thought we were saying was <laughs> This <amazing>. time. This time. <laughs> yeah, this time. This, this time I paid attention. I, Pete, I am a bad listener, though. I am just a bad listener. I would be a much better evangelist if I listened to people better. That's an interesting line. It is. I would it say is. let's unpack of it. Let's relate that back to Star Wars. <laughs> but, you know, funny enough, when I am when I am sharing the gospel, I, I do actually gain the ability to, to listen better. Nice. That, that, that is actually kind of strangely true. Nice. Nice. So uh, well, let's let's actually move into our topic. All right. Well, hey, uh, let me just set this up with saying this. Um, every once in a while, I have to pinch myself that it's not 1984, and this has all been like an amazing dream. Like we're just, you know, I'm gonna wake up in my bed, 11 years old, like Bill and Ted, and go bogus because it's gonna have not been real that every year we are treated to a new blockbuster Star Wars film. Like that's unheard of. Remember when we used to have to wait like four years and Darth at the end of Empire goes, I am your father. And if you did not grow up during that time, you don't remember that all the magazines and all the news, it was a big deal. Everybody's like, is it true? Or is Vader saying that to manipulate and trick Luke? And we didn't know. We had to wait four years to find it. And then once Luke believed it, we're like, oh, okay, I guess it's real. seems like the movie thinks it is. So it must be real. And then we accepted it by the end of Jedi. But nobody really knew. And we had to wait four years to find out. That's suspense, man. And this relates back to church planning how? Uh, Okay, I may have gone (laughs) off. Okay, this has a little bit of a Surgeon General's warning that it's Star Wars and church planning. It's our two favorite things. We might just go on a tangent on one of those two. Maybe what both. is thy bidding, my master? 
So here's the deal. The reason the reason I have this is I, I remember being in English class and um, we were studying epics. And I had the coolest English teacher ever because he was talking about Homer, the Iliad, the Odyssey. And then he kicks into Star Wars and he compares all the great epics of history with Star Wars. And he goes, it's an epic um, classic struggle between good and evil. Um, one guy held in the cosmic balance, uh, a reluctant hero who is giving, you know, on and on, you know, he's got this team of people, these characters. I think we've all heard that, like broken down, like King Arthur, same thing, reluctant hero, um, wise and old wizard Merlin who guides him. I mean, all these things are a part of an epic. And so, um, and, and Tolkien and Lewis came on the scene and they, they basically said, look, um, Lord of the Rings is an epic. Again, same thing, reluctant hero, Aragorn. I mean, a, a cosmic struggle between good and evil. Whenever you break down what an epic is, um, an epic is something that resonates with people on a big scale. And Lewis and Tolkien came in and said, the reason why is we, all of creation is caught up in an epic struggle between good and evil. And we are all reluctant heroes. And so on and on and on, there's this whole comparison and Lewis and Tolkien both felt that they were cashing in on something that was eternal in the heart of man. Mm. And so when I say there are five things that Star Wars intrinsically taught me about church planning from a young age, it you know, I'm I'm actually not joking. There are actually things that when I watched a Star Wars movie, I knew that were true. And so the first one, and and hopefully Pete. You know, my plan for this is you and I will chat these through. This will not be a monologue because uh, I have bullet points here. So uh, the first one is um, you <laughs> you might get your arm cut off, right? You might lose a limb. You, you could actually get hurt doing this. And and, and so don't with an do epic, that <laughs> in, in an epic struggle. Um, basically, what happens is. Um, you know, often the hero, he, he sustains some wound or he gets something to happen to him. So here we are. We're watching. It's 1977. We're watching Star Wars. I'm four years old. And Duke gets his arm cut off in a movie. Now, prior to that, it had been the little engine that could. It had been Captain Kangaroo. It had been Sesame Street, um, Electric Company. These were all the shows that, that I grew up watching. The 70s were crazy. If you don't know half those, Google them. But... When you're watching a movie and a dude gets his arm cut off, that's pretty hardcore. And it wasn't until Empire that we're all watching and then shock of shock, like Luke gets his hand cut off. I don't think people realize that that, that was kind of a big deal when, when, when your main character and particularly like the golden boy, Luke Skywalker loses a limb. That's a big deal. And I think a lot of church planners, um, and, and people that go into ministry, they have that same kind of shock when they realize that um, I could get hurt doing this. You know, people hurt you. Um, you. You might you might get kicked in the teeth. You know, you might start out the golden boy and then end up very lonely and discouraged and frustrated. Or someone might stab you in the back or attack you. And uh, and you know, the the people that were your best friends in your church plant. You know, maybe the people that were partners in your core team, um, they turn on you and you lose a limb man. you get a hand cut off by, by someone close to you or, you know, that, that, that those are high stakes. And um, one of the things that that scandalized me, I think, was at a certain point in ministry, 
um, I got hurt. And I was really angry at God about that. Like mm. my, I, I always say that my pastoral heart got broken. I quit ministry. I was crushed. And um, there's that sense in Empire Strikes Back where Luke really gets his butt kicked by Vader. Like there's no way he's going to win that fight. Gets his butt kicked. Gets his hand cut off. You know, drops himself down a down an air well, chute. I- interestingly enough, you could actually relate that to the church planner who thinks, you know, let me at him. I can handle this. I got some training behind me. Look, I can lift the rocks. I'm I'm really good now, <laughs> you know. And then pff, laid out, missing the hand, crying, going yeah, down the trash. Man, it was funny because when you said that, my my mind went to the seagull song. Lift tiny rocks with your special gift. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it goes back to something that you said about Rick Warren, where he said, you know, he doesn't trust a guy unless, mm. you know, he's been hurt, you know. And and I think failure to a certain degree is, is very sanctifying. Um, you know, like if you think about Luke, right, he gets his butt kicked and he fails. And then he goes back and he studies, man. He he studies. And he, you know, interestingly enough, that and I know this isn't where you're going with this, but I'm just going to say this, man. That is such an important business concept. I don't trust people in business who haven't failed. Like when they're like, oh, you know what? I've been doing this for five years and I've been ex- successful right out the gate. And I'm like, dude, then come talk to me after you failed. Because it's, it's like it's a different game if – Everyone believes they're going to succeed, right? You believe God's called you to plant a church. You believe I'm going to succeed. God's called me to plant. Like you wouldn't start it going, I believe I'm going to fail. You just, right. you wouldn't do that. <laughs> but, but the, the reality of the situation is going to hit you at some point. Wow. Gosh, a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And maybe you get your arm cut off and. The key for me is, will that person get back up, right? Will they yeah. get back up and go back out after? And and if they fail again or get the other arm cut off, will they still get back up? You know, it's just a flesh wound. You know? yeah. will, will, they, yeah. will they do that or not? Yeah, and sometimes it may not be. like Just like you said about business venture, Gary Vaynerchuk um, often talks about young entrepreneurs. They watch all the YouTube videos. They listen to all the podcasts. And they come in talking the game, you know, oh, I'm a yeah. venture capitalist and I'm this and that. And he goes, the problem is you think you can write a biography at 25 years old because you think you're great. And he goes, the problem is you haven't lived yet. Yeah. And and it's the same in this. Like there is so much to learn. And sometimes those times where, where God uh, really um, lets you struggle and lets you um, – I remember times being like literally flat on the floor in my office um, just crying out to God because, you know, <laughs> things weren't popping and stuff wasn't going anywhere. That desperation is a holy thing. That, that being just at the end of yourself, I think in many ways is what God often waits for mm-hmm. in us. When I hear church planners are like, oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, everything's good. Everything's wonderful. You know, everything's fantastic. You know, look at you're like, everything's not good. Everything's not fantastic. And it's that whole idea of fake it till you make it. And, you know, kind of like you said about, you know, the, the, those, those people that fail, it may be the church plant that never takes off. And, and that, 
that experience kind of lets you know, like you said, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Mm. And it's really not about how good I am. It's not, obviously there are things in church planning, you know, your leadership skill can be improved, your ability to communicate the gospel and hone your gift. Those, those things are realities, but it may not be um, right. about that. It, it may be that you are coming to the end of who you are so that you can start with who he is and, and start experiencing his power. My favorite church planning stories are the ones where the guys give up and then something pops. And I don't know how many interviews I've had on hardcore and you'll remember some of these Pete where they just, they tell that story, you know, where they just, nothing was happening. And they, they're like, so I started praying, you know, or I started having prayer meetings with my people and, we don't know how to explain it, but this one guy came in, he got saved. He brought a couple more people the next week. And, you know, like they can't explain it other than to say that suddenly something started happening and it wasn't that they did X, Y, or Z. Um, Lee Iacocca said it this way. He goes, um, <laughs> he said, no, failure is the only thing that teaches you anything. Nobody Ooh. ever learns anything from success. Wow. And, and so like when a, when a, um, when a church planner gets a big church without um, any kind of struggle or, you know, like he goes, he does the big launch, he does the critical mass. I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel the same thing. Like I don't trust you because it's kind of like an oak tree where what I'm seeing above the ground is really big, but the root system isn't there. If you know anything about a, an oak tree, the root system is a mirror image of what's above the soil. So there's a mirror image of that entire giant tree under the soil to hold it up. And that, that's what happens during this time. Your roots are growing to sustain through that struggle. Um, and by the way, if, if you, if you know anything about an oak tree, um, it's the strength of the wind that blows on it that determines the size of the tree. So it's genetically wired into an oak tree. That as the wind blows and it gets that resistance and tension, um, it's wired into its DNA that it need. It says, "Oh, I need to grow bigger." That's so funny because when I was studying horticulture, I actually thought it. Uh, never mind. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, that that would be awkward. <laughs> just remember, I read. I so, you do you do. <laughs> so hey, um, what uh, what's next point, Pete? I don't know. What is your next point? <laughs> I see you the notes. I never get to say that. Dude, oh, those, I, I, I was like, you got to be kidding me. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> okay. So second point, there is a dark side of ministry. So when you're watching oh. Star Wars, you know, it, it, it's so cool that Jedis have this constant temptation to go to the dark side. And at least that, that it's ministry. acknowledged. What's that? That it's acknowledged. Yeah. Like, I think the yeah. dark side is always there as an option, but it's acknowledged into the Jedi's. Mm -hmm. And in ministry, <laughs> I think a lot of times they pretend that it doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, so, for example, in the faith movement, you see it that um, when the guy's like super wealthy and, you know, he's, he's flying around in his private jet and Rolls Royce, it's that I have enough faith. That's why God has blessed me. And, you know, when when you hear the testimony of guys who went down the dark path, um, which, you know, 
here's the thing. We all know it. Like we all know that temptation and pull. You can't look at guys whose ministries, by the way, guys, the number one thing um, that I think you need to remember when it comes to ministers failing is that could be you. If you ever lose sight of that, you're in trouble, right? Because, you know, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Um, there is no benefit in thinking, oh, that'll never be me. There is every benefit in saying, ooh, that guy went down. Ouch, man. He's he's probably a better leader than I am. He's probably a, a you know, that idea of, wow, you know, I, I need to every day be saying, Lord, lead me not into temptation. That is a daily thing. Jesus said, you need to be praying that, you know, but deliver us from evil. Um, there, there is this constant struggle, but anyways, going back the the number one thing that these guys will say is they'll say, um, all of the, the, I got bored, you know, over, over time, I just got bored with the same thing and they wanted ministry became something that it wasn't. It became about security and luxury and comfort as things got successful, um, and they got more power. It, it became a harder, you know, they got into this ease and this, uh, this pattern of, of comfort and it became about them, became about them on stage, became about people talking about how great they were. It became about ego. And then after enough people were saying, you're so great, you're so great. And at home, your wife's going, you know, (laughs) you're still the knucklehead I've always known you to be. And I don't buy that. And I see right through that. And you know, yeah, yeah. There is a dark side, and it's seductive. There is. I mean, we've talked about that so many times on this podcast that when you're up there on stage preaching, the two things that are pulling you: ego and impact. And that yeah. ego leads to the dark side. Yeah, the ego absolutely. becomes too big. Unpack that a bit for um, for our people, because uh, you know. You can't We've been talking help, about that since the early days. You can't help but have people staring at you and they're not to be an ego effect, right? You got, I, I don't care if there's five people in the audience, 50, 500, 5,000. There's an intoxication that comes from being in front of the room. Now, <clears throat> not everyone has that. I mean, they don't, how, how do I put this? There, it's there no matter what, but I mean, not everyone seeks it. Like so many people are afraid of public speaking and for a lot of pastors, they might even start out that way that they don't like public speaking, but then they kind of get used to it. And there is a, Hey, you know, everyone's listening to me. They're all hanging on every word that I say, every story that I tell, you know, I, I made them laugh today. That's cool. There's an ego thing that goes on with that. Yeah. And the the point that we've always made on the podcast that you really spelled out is the problem is is when the ego becomes bigger than the impact you're more concerned about you know connecting with the audience making them laugh things like that than actually impacting the audience yeah. um, helping them either realize uh, the sin in their life or the need for god or you know whatever it might be that's where the problem is and you know, as your church grows and that stage becomes bigger and bigger, man, I'm telling you, man, it's it's seductive. And I know this because I speak for a living. I, I mean, yeah. I speak in front of groups all over the country. That's that's what I do. There's absolutely an ego thing that comes with it. 
Yeah, there totally is, man. And and then you know, and it's not that being popular is a problem. I always, you know, I was blown away when I saw um, that scripture at the back of Second Corinthians where Paul goes. And then there's our brother who uh, has been made famous by his preaching of the gospel. And I was like, whoa. And he's talking about Apollos there because that, he was the evangelist who came through after, well, I, I would say it's Apollos. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't say who it is, but you kind of do the math and figure he's talking about Apollos. But because um, he writes, you know, on first, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. But thing is, is that um, an Apollos was an evangelist. Um, but you kind of get the impression that Paul doesn't have a problem with the fact that he's such a well-loved um, evangelist, kind of like a Billy Graham. Um, Billy Graham's kept his nose clean, and he would be an example of a guy who got very famous and popular, but just seemed to walk that straight and narrow. Like I think Billy Graham is worthy of every bit of respect that people pay him. Um, and and same with Rick Warren. You know, I actually I I was at at the U two concert in the Rose Bowl. Now when U two plays and fills the stadium. They play four nights in a row there. It's arguably the biggest concert U2 ever does. Um, and in that concert, he gave a shout out shout out to Rick Warren. I think, did I mention this no, on a podcast I already? That he mentioned about um, Chris Cornell, uh, his suicide guy from Audio Slave. And then Rick Warren, or uh, Bono goes, and by the way, you know, he's talking about what a waste of life it was. And, and then he goes on to say, but, you know, thankfully, there are people like Rick Warren want to give him a shout out tonight. He's here. Um, appreciate the work you do for those that are tempted by suicide. And I'm like, dude, what kind of influence is that when you're in a stadium and the biggest concert by arguably one of the top three biggest bands in the world right now? And he gives you as a minister of the gospel a shout out for the work you're doing to help people. Uh, not take their lives. That's radical. I was just like, wow. You know, I'm, I just looked around the stadium on it. That's incredible. You know, and that is not wrong. You know, that is literally, that is what, that's what we ought to be known for is helping people up. Oh, nothing like professionalism. <laughs> so the second one, yeah, there, there is a light side and a dark side of ministry. And then uh, the third one, is that turning to the dark side may get you faster results. I mean, that is the temptation mm. of the dark side. The whole time you're, you're, you're watching the Star Wars saga, you know, particularly in Jedi, right? You're watching Jedi, and, and Darth Vader is tempting him. I always think this is strange because, you know, what's going to happen? Um, Darth Vader's tempting Luke to the dark side, give in to your anger. But when he does it, he's going to kill Vader. He could have he could have killed Vader right there, right when he turns to the dark side, and um, and and he starts whooping up on Vader, and Vader's like you know up against the the barrier, he cuts Vader's arm off again, and then he realizes, oh my gosh, he looks down at his own hand, and realizes I've just become him, um, I'm going to become him if I keep doing this, and um, and so I think that. What happens in ministry is that there are a bunch of compromises, um, really small compromises that you start off making. Um, years ago, there was a, a, a movie called um, uh, A Simple Plan, and it was of Bill Paxton. You know, may he rest in peace. Game over, man. 
but that's Bill Paxton. Sound, that's a sound clip I wish I'd had right then. <laughs> It's so we bad. have that we overplay that so much and i don't i i gotta find it i gotta find it but uh but yeah i mean bill paxton you know he 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 plays this this guy i think he's like a plumber or something stupid electrician just normal job and uh he a plane goes down somewhere in like you know michigan north michigan in the winter and uh whole thing billy bob thornton plays his brother and they they're out hunting um, and they find this plane full of money and they're like, oh, we can't talk, tell the cops. He'll take it all. You know, like think of what we could do. And it, 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 they're like, no, no, we can't. That's illegal. And they're like, but look, you know, and they find a little bit of drugs and they're like, well, this is illegal money. This wasn't stolen. Like this belongs to drug lords. We could just not tell anybody. Just don't tell anybody for 24 hours. It's all that. Let's just think of it. Let's sleep on it. And it becomes one small compromise. And by the end of the movie, it's led to murder. It's led to, I mean, it, it's terrible what it leads to. But, but what the movie tells you, the whole point of the movie is to tell you that the things they end up doing, they would have never done at that first juncture. It took the small compromises. And, and so if you think of it as a string of the alphabet, they would have never gone from, say, A on the, on the, on their morality, their starting point to maybe, you know, Q. But once they went to B, wasn't that big of a step to go to C. Mm-hmm. Once they're at C, they kind of had to do D. And then E was necessary to cover up D. It was like, you know, eventually they end up deeper and deeper and deeper. And it, it's really sobering and it's exactly how sin works. And again, there's an example of a movie communicating a spiritual truth that you go, wow, you know, that was really instructive. Um, thank you, Lord. You know, um, cause I watch movies with my, you know, with, with my, my Jesus brain in, you know, I dig God it. goggles, my, I, I don't know what to call it, you know, um, mm. with my soul, watch movies with my soul. <laughs> So, uh, what's the third point? That was a third. Tur- okay, turning what, to the dark side. What, what's the fourth? Might get you faster. What was the second? Results. Uh, there's a light side and a dark side of ministry. Okay. All right. So, what's the fourth so, point? So, let's recap. First off, <laughs> let's do you might mid- get hurt. You let's, might, you let's might do lose a, mid a limb. Show, a mid-show recap. A mid-show recap. You might lose a limb. We're actually probably not going to get through all five of them. We'll do part two next. Oh, my gosh. I hate you pastors with your, let's string this on for the next 17 weeks. That's great. It's Star Wars. Come on. We could talk about this for weeks. Could you, like, shut up and give us the money? <laughs> yeah, baby. So so second one is there's, there's a dark side of ministry. You need to resist it. And number three, turning to the dark side might get you faster and better results. And, and that's the seduction of it, you know. Um, uh, so, for example, I, I can remember this in my church plant. Um, and, and Pete, you'll know this, right? Like, you and I talk about this in, 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 in uh, we talk about it in marketing, right? You and I will sometimes talk and I'll be like, hey, should we email these guys? And you're like, no, that's spam. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but like. These people need to know. And you're like, no, they didn't sign up for this. We had their emails, but we got it through this. We didn't get it through this. And they they don't want to hear about that. And, and I think in every part, including ministry, um, there, there are ways you can get faster results. You can manipulate people. 
Um, but they're, they're, they're not going to be things that are going to sustain you or make the quality of what you do better. So uh, Luke could have beat Darth Vader, but the price he pays in the end is not going to be worth it. So when you start cutting corners or you start bypassing, for example, you're like, oh, I'm going to get the biggest and best worship band. What if worship doesn't happen after that? What mm-hmm. if real worship doesn't happen? Like, There's all these things that you always, as a spiritual leader, have to be considering. Am I going to remain a Jedi or am I going to go down the dark path? And that temptation is always there. I say just be a smuggler. Oh, yeah, baby. Trusty Blaster at my side. Bounty hunter, smuggler, hey, something like that. Hey, you know, ancient hokey religions <laughs> are, are no substitute for a trusty blaster at your side. <laughs> oh, I wish we had our sound bites that had all of those. <laughs> you gave me literally like 26 Star Wars ones. Because on my Did soundboard I had like different, I, I had to go to different pages in the soundboard to be able to play them all. Did you find, so did you find my treasure trove of, of No, quotes? no. All I found was I will, Beavis and Butthead. I will send Butthead. it to you. Post haste, my good man. I will send it to you. So those are the first three uh, points. And uh, we don't have time for the rest. Maybe we won't come back to it, but I enjoyed that. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was actually a really enjoyable podcast, at least for me. You yeah, let me talk Yo, you one. got to talk a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember this one hardcore that we did, uh, Ruben comes up to me at church and he goes, yeah, I totally forgot you were on the podcast till the very end when you asked the fight question. <laughs> That's rad. I'm like, I know, I know you feel my pain. You understand my trials and tribulations. It's not easy being my friend. It's not easy being your friend, though. It's I think not, that's why we get along so well. It's not easy doing a podcast with you. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no, that's true. That's true. But hey, well, guys, hey, uh, Pete, um, you know what Luke wasn't good at? <laughs> Man, he was terrible at keeping the books. You know, the Rebel Alliance, you know, someone had to be doing all the accounting for that. And uh, Mun Mothma, you know, she knew how to delegate. Uh, how exactly did Mamathma do that? Well, she got a hold of SimplifiedChurch.com, where they took care of all of her bookkeeping needs. Even though they were just a rebel alliance? Absolutely. You see, they operate using the power of the force, and that is far superior to your uh, trusty blaster at your side. It's going to let you down. You can't deflect lasers with that. You know, the, the IRS laser's coming in. Ba-ding, ba-ding. you got to be able to bounce those bad boys back. Could you, like, shut up and give us some money? Yeah. So um, how would someone who might be a pastor might have workman's comp issues, payroll issues, uh, parsonage issues, IRS issues? How would they contact SimplifyChurch.com? Well, they would use their Jedi Holocron device to go to SimplifiedChurch.com, and they would kick that little bad boy into hyperspace and immediately make the jump to joining SimplifiedChurch.com. I love it. Yeah. So basically, so there you go. May do, the force be with you always. So basically, you, all they got to uh, do is, uh, is reach out to Josh Henry over there yeah. at uh, SimplifiedChurch.com. Yeah. Yeah. He will be your new master, and you will be his apprentice. What is my bidding, my master? <laughs> Always do there are. Josh, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. <laughs> let's get down to the nitty-gritty. I love it. All right, guys. Well, hey, 
Um, thanks for listening today. We enjoy doing this podcast. Whether or not you enjoy listening to it is a whole nother story. But uh, thanks for joining us. And this has been the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.